Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his changing grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath is covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. All around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Amen. And now let's turn to page 817, 817, past the index. Sang it last week, but I think we ought to sing it again because we always need Jesus. Amen. I need Jesus. 817. I need Jesus, my need I now confess, no friend like him in times of deep distress. I need Jesus, the need I gladly own, though some may bear their load alone, yet I need Jesus. Now sing it, I need Jesus, I need I need Jesus every day, need him in the sunshine now, need him when the storm clouds lower, every day along my way, yes, I need Jesus, I need Jesus, I need a friend like him, a friend to guide, Paths of life are dim. I need Jesus when foes my soul assail. Alone I know I can but fail, so I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus every day. sunshine out. Need him when the storm clouds roar. Every day along my way, yes, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need him to the end. No one like him. He is the sinner's friend. I need Jesus. No other friend will do so constant, kind, so strong and true. Yes, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. 
I need Jesus every day. Need him in the sunshine hour. Need him when the storm clouds roar. Every day along my way, yes, I need Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, and as the words of the song that we just sang, we admit our need. We need Jesus. And Lord, we ask that you would take this time that we have dedicated to your worship, to the preaching of your word, Lord, to the singing of these hymns in your praise. Uh, Lord, every part of the service, we ask that you would be lifted up, honored, and glorified. We ask that you would give us what we need to live for you this week. Pray that you would be with the children's church, the offering, everything that is said and done. Lord, that we would willfully submit our hearts and our lives to you and your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are the front. All right, now let's turn to page 414. 414, this is the way to live. You need to just trust and obey the Lord. Amen. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but a smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sign nor a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for them who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy us, but to trust and obey. Then in fellowships we, we will sit at his feet, for we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go, never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Amen. And when we're doing that, we can't help but turn to page 615. 
and have joy in serving Jesus. Amen. There is joy in serving Jesus. 615 615. There is joy in serving Jesus as I journey on my way. Joy that fills the heart with praises every hour and every day. There is joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus. Joy that throbs within my heart every moment, every hour. As I draw upon his power, there is joy, joy, joy that never shall depart. There is joy in serving Jesus, joy that triumphs over pain, fills my soul with heaven's music till I join the glad refrain. There is joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus, joy that throbs within my heart every moment, every hour. As I draw upon his power, there is joy, joy, joy that never shall depart. Now, before I sing these next two verses, those of you who have been here long enough know that I'll probably ask a question. Who, how many of you think you know what I'm about to say? Miss Pam, can you tell us what I think? Amen. You know what? If there is really joy in serving Jesus, can we at least sing like we mean it? Amen. Just put some smiles on our face instead of just digging our heads in the book and just looking all somber, New York-y, New york attitude, New Yorkish attitude there. Just like, mm, yeah, there's joy. I know there's joy. But no, we ought to smile. Amen. We ought to feel joy. We're in church and we can have fun in the house of God. Amen. We ought to have joy in the house of God because this is where you ought to be every morning. Amen. Every Sunday morning, at least, and Thursday nights. Amen. But if there really is joy in serving Jesus, we ought to at least, you know, let it come out of us. Amen. It ought to emanate out, and all other people ought to see that joy and that light coming out, and we need to sing like we mean it. Amen. Let's sing these next two verses with joy in our faces and everything. All right. There is joy in serving Jesus as I walk alone with God. Tis the joy of Christ my Savior, who the path of suffering trod. There is joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus, joy that throbs within my heart. Every moment, every hour, as I draw upon his power, there is joy, joy, joy that never shall depart. Now this time we'll have all the children, 11 and under, dismissed to the junior church. We did much better this time, and we can do it better even more this last verse. There is joy in serving Jesus, joy amid the darkest night. For I've learned the wondrous secret, and I'm walking in the light. Here we go. There is joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus, joy that throbs within my heart. Every moment, every hour, as I draw upon his power, there is joy, joy, joy that never 
shall depart. Amen. And you may be seated. Amen. There is joy in serving Jesus. And uh, it doesn't hurt to smile and show that joy every once in a while, especially in church. Amen. And uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to try to cover one verse this morning, uh, a verse that you are probably somewhat familiar with. If you are familiar with your Bible at all, of course, Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call uh, the chapter of faith. It talks about faith. And verse 6 is the verse that we're going to look at this morning and it kind of summarizes or puts all of these things uh, together. And in verse 6, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him, talking about God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently Seek him. Now, I would challenge you, if you have not yet put this verse to memory, uh, if this verse is not already, not only in your head that you can say the words, but in your heart that you can meditate on them, I would, I would request that you did that, would challenge you to do that, because this is one of those key verses in the Bible, like John 3, 16. For God so loved, what? The world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him might have ever, whoa, might not perish, but have everlasting life. We'll get that thing. Been saying it so many years, it's almost too familiar. But how many of you have been just a little discouraged at one point or another during this past week? Raise your hand. Can we be honest? And Okay, boy, a lot of hands go up. Uh, I mean, there's some encouraging things that have happened this past week. How many of you had fun Tuesday night here at church? Amen. That was a good time. And uh, how many of you are glad that even the New York Supreme Court, the Court of Appeals of New York State, got it right this week? Can anybody believe that? Uh, they actually said the New York State Constitution does not demand sodomite marriage. Now, isn't that a wonderful thing? I mean... If they can get it right, then why in the world do we have all these churches out there trying to figure out whether they need to ordain these people into the ministry? Scary thought, isn't it? And again, let's understand this thing completely. God hates sin because it destroys life. And there is no more self-destructive behavior known to mankind than the sin of sodomy. Study history. Every people group, every culture that has adopted it has not survived. It was the fall of the Greek Empire. It was part of the fall of the Roman Empire. It has been the undoing of Europe and its uh, uh, world domination. It will be the undoing of America if we allow that. But that's not the whole purpose this morning. Because our joy and our happiness should not be dependent upon only what goes on around us. Because if you were of any age at all, you look around you and, boy, things have changed. 
And uh, I mean, I, I don't consider myself uh, that older, well-experienced of a person, but I'll tell you, the things that I have seen changed in my lifetime. I mean, the first major motion picture with a terrible curse word in it was Gone with the Wind. I believe that was 1939. It took from 1939 to 1972 or 4, somewhere in that neighborhood, where they started showing partial nudity on television. Now, how far have we come since 1974? I mean, as one man aptly put it, the handle's already been pushed, the swirling has started, we're just waiting for everything to disappear down the tube, right? Uh, I mean, when you look at what's going on around you, it's not a very pleasant picture. It's, it's quite discouraging at times. And yet we come to the Bible, and you know what the Bible says? It's going to get worse. Aren't you encouraged? The Bible says it's going to get worse. For men shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And that's what we have going on. Who in their right mind would ever believe that Jesus Christ appealed to a guy that can't even do his taxes straight to come and fix all the problems that Jesus failed at? And yet, how many people follow Sung Young Moon? He spent, I don't know how many years in prison, not quite enough, but uh, for not being able to keep his income straight and his books straight in his organization, somehow several hundred thousand dollars of, of the organization's funds showed up in a personal bank account. Now, I don't know how in the world a man like that would make the claim that Jesus begged him to straighten out all the problems that Jesus created because he failed at when he was here on earth. But that's, it's written down in his own writings that that's what this man teaches. And people believe him and believe in him. And we look at this verse here that we've just read in Hebrews chapter 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, talking about God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, one of the reasons I believe we're here this morning is because of this little word called faith. Amen? Faith is one of the reasons we're here. We believe in God. And as we look at this verse, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Now, when we stop and we think about this thing called faith, it says, without it, it is impossible to please God. You cannot have a relationship with God without faith. Now, where does faith come from? Faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by 
the Word of God, Romans chapter 10. It says, For by grace are ye saved, how? Through faith, and that not of yourselves. If faith is something that you can get and generate in yourself, then it's not biblical faith. There's a lot of faith out there today. I mean, we live in probably the most faith-filled society in the history of mankind. But you've got to look at it because most of the faith that's out there is fake. Can we just look at politics today? We have a huge group of people right here in the United States that have seen and watched communism fail in the Soviet bloc. They've watched communism fail in China. China is switching over to a capitalistic society today. There's absolutely no denying that. It is a dictatorship. It's not communist. It, never, it hasn't been really communist for a long time. And yet we have all these American politicians that believe communism will only work if they were in charge. Don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? They call themselves Democrats. If we could only run everything and make the government do everything, when is the last time government helped you do anything right? I mean, stop and think about it. How many of you have had to renew your driver's license here recently? Aren't you glad government helps you renew your driver's license? Isn't that a pleasure? You stand in line for 14 hours only to find out that you didn't bring the right piece of paper and have to go home and get it and come back another day? How many of you have received traffic tickets in the last 60 days? The little parking, those little red love letters from the city of New York. You ever tried to pay one of those things in person? Trust me, unless you got a lot of time and it's a really big ticket, just write guilty, pay the fine and send it in. It costs a lot less than going down there and sitting in line waiting to argue your case before the judge. I mean, it, it takes forever. Government doesn't help us. But there's a lot of people out there that believe the government is, is the answer to all of our problems. I'll tell you, I really feel sorry for the evolutionist. I really do. They have to believe that everything got here by accident, and yet there's still some purpose to life. And God's called them to straighten it all out. I mean, everybody's worried about the environment today, and we need to be careful. I'm not for polluting. But I'll uh, tell you what. Stop and listen to some of the things these people say that are really concerned with our environment and all these things. They believe that the exhaust from our cars, and I don't know how to say this nicely, but... Uh, the other pollutants caused by farm animals and different things that we are do doing as domesticating animals and raising them for food and, and cars and factories, 
that we are destroying the entire planet and that if global warming is left to go, there won't be any of us here in a hundred billion years. And they're going to solve the problem. Now you talk about faith. That is faith, is it not? But it's not the kind of faith the Bible's talking about, is it? Have you ever met anybody that thought they could solve all their own problems? They're out there all over the place. Just give me a good book and I'll solve all my problems. I just need, I just need the new self-help book. You know, I can help myself. Let me tell you, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does to believe in creation. A lot more faith. Because all I have to do to put in creation is understand who God is. And it's so simple. Because God is all-powerful. He has the ability to do all these things. I have a lot more faith in, in that than believing that the cactus grew up in the desert and realized that the predators and other animals would want its water, so it grew spines to protect itself. I actually read that in an evolution book. Now, you've got to be loony to believe that. I mean, absolutely insane. But people have more faith in evolution. In fact, my kids threw the article away. Uh, I, I wish I had had it, but in, it was a 1970-something World Book Encyclopedia. They had an article there entitled Dino Man and how that if evolution were to continue going that the lizards would actually walk upright on two feet and it showed this dinosaur with a human face and somewhat human hands and lizard skin all over it and a nice long tail sticking out the back and said, this is where the, the uh, 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 lizard population is going. Now, see, you don't believe me, but I, I actually did read this thing. I saw the picture there in the world book. If I had it here and showed it to you, you'd say, Preacher, that is so inane. That is so stupid. How can anybody? But they put it in a world book encyclopedia. You talk about faith? Man, those people have to have it. But it's not the kind of faith that the Bible's talking about. See, when you have faith that's being spoken about here in Hebrews chapter 11, it is faith founded in God. You say, but you can't prove that God exists. And I would say to you, you can't prove that he doesn't, amen? Be my guest. But every inch of creation demands a creator. The order, the carefulness, everything that is around us demands a designer. You look at the human body, 10 trillion cells. That is more cells than there are dollars in the national debt. 
and every one of them functions. And if you take a straight pin or a needle as you're trying to sew a button and poke it into your finger and disturb just a, a few thousand cells on the tip of your finger, your whole body goes into convulsions, doesn't it? How does that work? I believe in God, amen? It says, without faith, it is impossible. If you refuse to believe there's a God, this book called the Bible says you have the right to choose to make that belief yours. You can believe that water's not wet if you want to. Uh, you can believe that the fire on the kitchen stove won't burn you if you stick your finger into it, but don't try that one out, okay? You can believe anything you want, but true faith is always based in true fact, and it says without faith it is impossible. Now, we said where you get faith, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, it's for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It doesn't come from inside of you. This is one of the great uh, lies of our error that somehow there are people that, oh, you just, you have the ability to believe in God and I don't. I just can't, can't swallow that concept. And I, I know you ignorant people out there believe in God, but it's just not for me. The Bible says that if you want faith, it requires action in obedience to God's Word. That's what faith is. James chapter 2. Faith without works is dead. Faith that is just in words is nothing but what we would call hyperbole or boasting. It's just empty words. Faith requires action. You can say all you want. You can do all you want. I've tried to give you some illustrations of people who have faith, a tremendous amount of faith. It's just in all kinds of other things other than the God of this book called the Bible. It says, for he that cometh to God, now, let's just stop right there and look through that phrase. You start in Genesis chapter 1, and you go through to Revelation chapter 22, and you're always going to find God initiating the action toward mankind. You're going to find God starting this thing out and that mankind is always the recipient. We go back to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 4. By grace are you saved through faith. That grace is the goodness of God toward us. It is undeserved, unmerited favor that God bestows upon us. And God has chosen to reveal himself to us. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. The next verse says, teaching us the denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live soberly, 
There is not a one of us, there's not a human being that has done wrong, and we've all sinned, that has not felt some conviction or that tugging of the Holy Spirit at their heart that they've done wrong. Now, we call it conscience. Oh, that's just your con... No, the Bible says that's the grace of God. It's interesting, every society ever developed in the history of mankind has some sort of rules set up between what is right and wrong. And that murder is wrong in almost every society. Thievery is wrong in almost every society. It's interesting that these things... And, and by the way, there's this idea of marriage... In almost every society known to mankind, you go out into the rainforest and find these little jungle tribes that nobody's ever seen before except themselves, and they're going to have husband and wife and children. I wonder where they got that idea. It wasn't from some of these lawyers in New York State, now was it? It shows us that there is a God. We see God initiating the action, but God expects you and I to take a step in His direction. That's why it says, He that cometh to God. There's a decision that you must make, that I must make, that every human being must make as an individual to look at where we are standing and understand where God is and willfully take the step in that direction. That's faith. That is obedience to the Word of God. He that cometh to God. You've got to leave where you are. One of the hardest things for a human being to do is to stop trusting in themselves. I've told the story before. It's the best story I have uh, on, on this illustration, but I was the bus mechanic at Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, before we came here to New York City, and one of my jobs was to paint the buses. Well, in order to paint the buses, you had to put paper over all the windows. And all of a sudden, my uh, boss at that time, which is the current pastor, it was his father, Brother Folger, came in. And he said, Pete, you got to get this bus out of here because we've got a broken down bus and we need to fix it before Sunday. We can't have two buses down, the one you taped up and the one that's broken. And I said, Brother Folger, I just spent half a day taping this bus up. You know how many windows are in a 40-foot bus? I had to tape them all up. He said, now I'll tell you what you do. He jumped up on the hood and cut me a little square this size on the front window. He said, now you're going to back this bus out of the garage and pull the other bus in. I said, looking through that little window, no mirrors, no, because the mirrors were all taped up. I mean, everything was. He says, yeah, you can do it. I said, boy, you got a lot of faith in me. 
He says, now, let me tell you something. He says, I'm going to be standing in front of you and I'm going to tell you what to do. And if you don't listen to me, you're going to wreck the bus and you're fired. Yes, sir. Now, I'll tell you, it was one of the strangest things I've ever done. Because you could feel the bus moving, but you couldn't tell anything about it. You couldn't see the sides. You couldn't see the mirrors. The bus is 40 foot long. The garage door is 10 feet wide. The bus is 8 feet wide. So I got a foot on each side. That's not a lot of room, my friend. Trust me. Make a long story short, I did what Bob Folger said. It didn't feel very good, let me tell you. I was scared to death that I was just going to start here, the grating of metal against the door and all of these things. But I didn't because he was watching and he told me what to do and I just listened. That's what faith is. If God were small enough that you could understand him, what kind of God would he be? He'd be smaller than you are, that's for sure. And, you know, that's what false worship is all about, is having a God that you can understand, a God that you can manipulate, a God that you can tell him what to do. You turn on this, these radio preachers and they say, you're not happy, you need to get with God and he'll make you happy. Well, wait a minute. I haven't found one verse in this book called the Bible that says God's goal is to make you happy. Now, there's lots of verses in there. It says, blessed is the poor in heart. Blessed are they that mourn. That means happiness. That means true joy. We sang a song about joy in serving Jesus this morning. But that is not the final goal of our Christianity. The final goal, the reason we serve God today is because of this little word faith. We've got to come to him. We've got to leave who we are. We've got to stop trusting in what we perceive and understand. Sometimes God tapes up all the windows so that the only thing we can see is him. It doesn't have to feel good. But if we'll just listen, it works. Amen? Amen? Oh, me? You say amen if you agree. Oh, me if you need to change. Amen? That's the way it works. What you have, what you hope, what you wish, what you think, what you plan, what you want, it's all got to be left behind. when you come to God. Now, you've got to remember, God is the initiator. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. But God is not a Calvinistic God. He does not sit there and pull all the puppet strings and we're simply robots acting according to the script that he wrote before the foundation of the world. That's not true. God gives us a choice. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what it means to come to God. 
It just simply means to turn aside from you and your hopes and just completely surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. It says here, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is. That's not only talking about His existence, by the way. It is referring to the fact that God is eternally self-existence. It's existent, I'm sorry. That he doesn't have a group of people to help him be God. That he doesn't need our prayers to make him God. He doesn't need our worship to make him God. He doesn't need us to help him be better at being God than who he is. He is God because He is. Amen? I get so tired of hearing people talk about how that God wishes He could do something, but He can't because His people won't pray enough. Now, that's not true. God will not do certain things because He's not going to bless you if you're living against Him. Amen? He's not going to help you be a better sinner. But God is not held captive by us little human beings and what we do or we won't do. God is in the business of saving souls. Amen? God is in the business of giving us victory over sin. And by the way, where does sin come from? Right here. It comes from our own hearts and our own desires. That's why we got to get rid of self so that we can serve God. It says that he must believe that he is. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. God is present. God is active. God is intimately interested in everything that is going on today. See, it sure doesn't look like it, does it? I mean, we're just getting worse and... Well, wait a minute. There's some prophecies in this book that have to be fulfilled yet. And some of them are not very pleasant. One of those prophecies is the fact that there's going to be a one-world government. You go back to the Tower of Babel, Genesis chapter 11. Ever since there's been a thing called human government, men reigning over other men, ruling over other men, there has been the desire in the hearts and minds of human beings to have the entire world society under one ruler and in total harmony with each other accomplishing one thing. God says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give mankind the desires of his heart since the days that mankind became a culture. We call it the Great Tribulation period. It is going to be the most destructive period of human history. Three-quarters of the world's population is going to die in less than seven years. And it will all be intimately connected with God giving men what they've always wanted is their own government to solve all their problems. 
hey, I'll tell you what, what the Bible has lined out and what is commonly called the mark of the beast will solve so many problems of our society today. Welfare fraud, Medicare fraud in New York State is a several billion dollar a year industry. Several billion, somewhere between two and three billion dollars every year. Hey, if you had a little computer chip that identified you and had all your information on it stuffed into your hand and you had to show up and put your hand under the meter to get any services, hey, there's no such thing as fraud. Because nobody's going to cut your hand off and take it and stick it under the meter for you. Uh, that would present itself as fraud and murder and a whole lot of other things. Hey, it's going to solve a lot of problems. We talk about all this problems with identification and people trying to... Hey, you won't be able to buy a loaf of bread without proper identification when the Antichrist is ruling. How in the world are you going to get enough material to put together a biological weapon? Not going to happen. He's going to solve those problems. But, but... Read the rest of the Bible, what the Bible says is going to happen during that seven-year period. You don't want to be here, let me tell you. You study all of history, and you will find that God gives, has given man choice after choice after choice. He has given them scenario after scenario. He started them out in the perfect environment with the, uh, as the, they call the tableau rasso or the blank slate and all they knew was that they were to dress and keep the garden and not eat of the tree. And what did they do? Ate of the tree. The next generation, one-fourth of all mankind was killed by one human being. Because there were only four people alive. When Cain slew Abel. At least that's what we understand. Listen, God gave Abraham the promises. We read his story here. Abraham and Sarah contrived together to try to fulfill God's promises on their own. And Ishmael was born. You know, we're still reaping the horrible benefits of that decision to this day. Because the Ishmaelites today are basically known as Arabs. And the Arabs and the Jews, they've got a few problems, don't they? It says, for without faith it is impossible to, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This is one of the reasons why we as believers in Jesus Christ drop out is we look at that verse and then we look at our life and they say now what rewards has God given me because I believe in him we have to understand some things that God's rewards are a little different in character than our rewards let me ask you a question. How many 
Now, please don't raise your hand on this. How many of you know someone or know of someone, you could give me a name, who is confined to psychological treatment and heavy-duty psychological drugs and regimens all because of this little word called guilt? Don't raise your hands. But stop and think about that a minute. Our psychiatric wards are full of people who cannot forgive someone else for what they've done to them or cannot forgive themselves for what they've done to someone else. If you have faith in God, you have forgiveness for everything you've done and forgiveness for everything that everyone has done to you. How could you get a bigger reward than that? How many people live in this world without a moment's peace? They're trying to protect themselves. I've had preachers come to me say, now, now, Pete, when it, when it happens, you better have a plan and you better be ready to get out of New York City and... I say, what do you mean, when it happens? I say, it's already happened, hasn't it? Listen. You be where God wants you to be. Doing what God wants you to do, and you have peace in your heart and in your soul. How many psychological disorders are there and, and, pho and phobias and fears and problems are all, all built around this doctrine of self-esteem? Oh, he's got a self-esteem problem. That's why he murdered 45 people. He, he just didn't feel good about himself, so he killed other people to make himself feel better about himself. I'll, I'll bet that worked, don't you think? Well, his father didn't treat him right, therefore he grew up weird and, and you know, that's, that's the whole reason why he did these horrible things. Would you like to have confidence that the direction of your life is the direction that God, the creator of the universe, has put it in? Wow, what kind of reward is that, my friend? You don't have to be afraid of anybody or anything, including death. You see, these are some of the rewards that God gives us. He gives us rewards while we're here on earth. I mean, look at the group of people that is assembled here today. I mean, we're just about as diverse as any of these diversity people would ever hope to have. And Tuesday evening, how could you get a more diverse group than was there Tuesday evening? I mean, not everybody even shared totally the same language. I mean, we understood, most of the people there understood English well enough to get an idea of what was going on. But, uh, I mean, we, we had a great group of people from all walks of life, and we all had just an absolutely fabulous time. Just a little reward. 
because we were all seeking God, and that's why we were there at the church on the 4th of July and not doing something else. Here's the verse. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. If you do not and are not willing to be obedient to the words of this scripture, you do not have the kind of faith the Bible's talking about. And I don't care how many times you go to church, how many baptistries you're baptized in, how many times you say there is no God and I don't believe in him, it doesn't matter. You're going to stand before him one day. And there'll be nothing on your record that God will find pleasing. It says, For he that cometh to God. Do you remember the day when you decided to take that little step toward God? You took a little baby step in his direction and God came the whole way from heaven and met you right where you were, didn't he? That's what salvation is. And by the way, God will work the same way in every instance in your life if you will just let him. For he that cometh to God, when you give up, hey, God will meet you. He'll take care of what you can take care of. Somebody said, well, I just don't understand the whole thing. Well, it's real simple. Will you understand that you need to come to God and let him take care of the rest? Could you trust him with that? That's all you need to do to get saved, amen? It says, for he that cometh to God, number one, must believe that he is. That means he's present. He's active. What's going on today is not a shock to God. God wasn't sitting in heaven going, is Kim Jong mentally ill going to blast that missile off? I don't know what's going to happen if he does. You listen to some of these radio commentators and they would think that that's what God is doing. He's not twiddling his thumbs trying to figure out what's going on. God's not worried. He already knows. I'm going to trust him instead of all these stupid politicians. Amen? Unfortunately, those two words belong together more often than they don't, don't they? And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, sometimes God puts us through the test. Sometimes God allows us to suffer. Sometimes he tries us. And sometimes his intentions and his goals are so far beyond and removed from ours that we really just don't comprehend what's going on. How many of you remember the story of Job from the Bible? I mean, that is an amazing story to me. I can't tell you how many times I've read through the book of Job. We've taken time in our Thursday night services here to preach through the book of Job verse by verse, the whole way through all 42 chapters of it. And sometimes while we were doing that, I could tell by the looks I was getting from the people out there, Pastor, do we have to do this? Yeah, we got to go through the book of Job. It's important. Here's why. Job teaches us one lesson. 
Let God be God. Don't try to put God in your box. I've heard preachers say, well, God put Job through all of this so he could bless him more in the end. Job was already the richest man in the East. How many more blessings did he need? Did he really need to suffer all of those sufferings just so he could be twice the richest man in the East? That doesn't make sense to me. And when Job was rebuked of the Lord at the end of the book of Job, it was because Job had accused the Lord falsely of treating him improperly. Uh, sounds to me like Job just got a little bit behind this idea of believing that God was a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And when Job surrendered and just simply said, God, I'm but dust and ashes, I don't understand. You are God. The only thing I understand is that I don't understand. God said, that's good enough for me. And restored Job. Sometimes we lose sight that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God does not allow us to suffer indiscriminately and without purpose and without reason. God is always good. He cannot be anything else. Even in God's judgment and punishment is his mercy. God is love. And all God's people said, now my only question for you is, have you come to God personally? Have you taken that little step toward Him and let Him do all the work? Do you believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him? If there is a no in any one of those questions, then there are some things in your life that need to be straightened out. And there's only one place you can straighten them out. And that's by going directly to God. That's why we're going to have an invitation here in a few minutes. And we're just going to open these altars here in the front. It's a place where you can come and you can pray. I'm so glad that I can tell you today, don't come and tell me all of your problems and all of your sins. I don't even need to know about them. But if you come to God, believe that He is. And He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He'll take care of it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And we ask that you would do your work in each heart and life here. Lord, that we would submit ourselves to Scripture. That we would not listen to our emotions and our pleadings and our inward desires. But Lord, that we would allow your word to override all of those. And just simply believe that you are and that you are the rewarder of them that diligently seek you. And we ask, Lord, that each one in this room today would be part of that number. We pray for those that are here today that are unsaved, that the decision would be made to trust Jesus, to come to God today. We pray for those that are having problems, believing that God is present and active, and that God is doing good. 
in spite of what we see and understand. Lord, we pray for those that are struggling with the fact that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, that they would surrender whatever it is, whatever hope or aspiration, whatever desire or wish, that they would lay it at your feet today and leave here believing in God. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, if you come and lead us in the hymn of invitation, 558. The song is the nail-scarred hand. And as we sing, if you need to come and pray, just step out of your seat and come. have the piano continue to play if you need to pray there's still time for you to join these that are already here at the front we're not here to single anyone out but if you're here today and you do not know the Savior if you'd allow us, we'd show you what the Bible says and how you may know your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. What greater reward could you have than eternity with our Lord and Savior? The only thing we ask that you would do is that you would let us know. people said amen you may be seated we pray that you've let God have his will and his way in your heart and in your life today 
We'd ask for our ushers to come at this time so that we may receive the morning's offering. Let us give as unto the Lord. George, would you ask God to bless the offering today? Let us close our eyes and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful Sunday morning. We thank you, Lord, for each one that is present today. We thank you for this fellowship. We thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. May you continue to bless us by your grace to grow in faith that we can live according to your will that all, all our deeds and works every day will give glory unto you. Thank you, Lord, for your, this provision. May you accept it and bless it and use it to do your will. And, Lord, we continue to bless us your blessing and guidance as we leave this church. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, next Saturday... Uh, we're into the uh, street fair uh, season. Uh, Saturday will be the street fair at Dipmars and 31st Street. We'll be somewhere on that block set up, and uh, the street fair opens at 11 o'clock. Usually we try to pack up around 5 p.m., and so if you could stop by and just help us pass out some tracks and, and uh, be a witness there, that would be a wonderful thing. This coming weekend is... Uh, uh, probably the worst of the whole year because we have one on Saturday at Dittmar's and one on Sunday at 30th Avenue. Uh, when you come to church next Sunday, if you have to cross 30th Avenue to get here uh, by vehicle, it will be much more uh, a difficult thing to do. Uh, you will only be able to cross 30th Avenue at 31st Street and uh, uh, probably the next place will be Steinway Street. And uh, so just plan on a lot more traffic and uh, a lot bigger headaches trying to get here next Sunday. And uh, if you could spend a few hours in the afternoon uh, trying to help pass out tracks. Uh, ladies, uh, our ladies meeting is the 18th, teens, Saturday morning, the 22nd. 
And then our next members meeting, uh, we have planned for 515 on the 23rd in the afternoon, Sunday, the July 23rd. Take time to read our missionaries' letters and uh, pray for our missionaries that God will do his will and way in their lives. Uh, we're also trying to get our missions conference ready to go the last of October, first week in November, somewhere right around there. So keep that in prayer if you would as well. All right, Brother Franz, come and lead us as we're dismissed. Stand with me if you would. 705 if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort bring you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and